thank you for joining us here at the Republic Broadcasting Network. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy, your host for the next one hour, and you are listening to Datum Line. In our last Datum Line broadcast entitled Economic Myths and Science of Deceit, Part 8, we concluded our review of the popular myth put forth by populists and other Federal Reserve critics that Congress was somehow authorized to print and create money out of nothing, pursuant to a constitutional mandate. As shown in that message and previous broadcast, no such power was granted to Congress or to anyone else by our constitutional forefathers. In fact, that power was specifically withheld from Congress at Article 1, Section 8, and expressly denied to the states at Article 1, Section 10. In the words of A. Barton Hepburn in his 660-page book, History of Coinage and Currency of the United States and the Perennial Contest for Sound Money, published in 1903, quote, the words, those words and emit bills, the words were stricken out by a vote of four to one, and unquestionably the convention, that being at Philadelphia, 1787, intended to withhold from the federal government the power to create paper money with legal tender attributes. This, from a doctor of law, ex-comptroller of the currency, ex-superintendent of banking for the state of New York, and vice president of Chase National Bank. Now, a maxim of law is that the intent of the lawmaker is the law to which Mr. Hepburn emphasized that it was unquestionably intended to withhold this power of money creation. In the words of George Bancroft, whose ten-volume history of the United States is still regarded as the most accurate chronicle of early American events, he said, quote, The refusal, not the ignorance or forgetful oversight, but the refusal of the convention, that being in Philadelphia, to confer on the legislature of the United States the power to emit bills of credit or irredeemable paper money in any form is so complete that according to all rules by which public documents are interpreted, it should not be treated as questionable. These words taken from his book, A Plea for the Constitution of the United States, at page 38, first published in 1886, and reprinted in 1982. So obvious was this congressional disability that no attempt was made by Congress to emit so-called paper money for over 70 years. And even then, it took a national emergency, called the Civil War, to open what became the most heated debate in Congress up to that time. Not only were the opponents of Lincoln Greenbacks against them, but their advocates opposed them, except as a temporary expedient, so they said. Such is the peculiar background of United States notes that receive shameless praise from so many Federal Reserve critics today. In our next broadcast, we'll provide extracts from the Congressional debate of 1861 to show that Congress was well aware that Lincoln greenbacks were issued in violation of their constitutional oath. Following our previous message on the widespread error propagated by populists and others about the non-existent constitutional power to create money, we return to the 18 presumptions of Mr. Thorne and Mr. Warner at point number 15 in their Truth in Money book. We'll finish points number 16 through 18 
in today's message, which is entitled Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 9. This is our music. This is our first break. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy, and you are listening to Datum Line. Welcome back to this segment of Datum Line. I'm your host, Bruce G. McCarthy, and today's message, Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 9. As mentioned on the other side of our first break, our last datum line message ended with a review of presumption number 15 of a treasury credit money system. That's an interesting oxymoron in my view, a credit money system. Proposed by Mr. Thorne and Mr. Warner in their Truth and Money book at appendix number 3, page 239, third edition for 1989. Here's what it said, point number 15, quote, a sovereign government exercising its monetary authority creates money and lends it into circulation by extending monetary credit to the private sector at an affordable interest rate. Time permitting, we'll return to the author's repetitive use, <clears throat> excuse me, of rather authoritarian, <laughs> authoritarian language exemplified by the words authority, power, and sovereign. From these, we might be able to get an idea as to how they perceive the role of government in what they call a free society. And that may perhaps contrast widely from what our constitutional forefathers had intended. For now, however, let's summarize point number 15 before we continue. And this will be in contrast to biblical law and the Constitution. Uncle Sam, they say, is supposed to operate a bank. But what does the Constitution say? And that Uncle Sam is to assume the role as our benevolent lender. A lender of what? Nothing. While we are to assume the role of dependent and needy borrowers. But what does the Bible say with regards to the borrower? The borrower being servant to the lender, Proverbs 22.7. The Apostle Paul saying in the Romans 13 epistle that, uh, Owe ye no man anything but to love one another. And that this is to be at an affordable interest rate. Now, that's not going to be determined by Scripture, but by the God-men on the Potomac, pursuant to a fully inverted master-servant relationship. But what does the Constitution say about that? Let me repeat that in a different way. Where in the Constitution is Congress expressly or impliedly given the authority to open a bank, create money out of nothing, no less, and lend it to the private sector economy at interest, the rate of which is to be determined by Congress? And if such a power existed at all, why have they never done this since the Constitutional Convention of 1787? 226 years ago. Well, if you think that the uh, populist dream of a debt-free, interest-free monetary system will somehow apply to folks like you, think again. Since you've grown up in and are accustomed to a two-tier tyrannical system, why change anything? A two-tier system is what they propose to replace the one you're complaining about. Uncle Sam will get 
the fiat money for nothing. In fact, we might rephrase that. Uncle Sam will continue to get the fiat money for nothing because Uncle Sam gets fiat money for nothing. Yes, there's a rate of interest that's applied, but you don't think congressmen pay that, do you? You're the one who's supposed to pay that. Okay? So Uncle Sam will get the fiat money for nothing, but not people who work for a living. And why should they? We're supposed to work for a living, are we? See, you're the party. We're the parties responsible to service the debt in this gigantic financial swamp. Congress, on the other hand, will retire in splendor after many years of loyal service, not to the general public, but to the global banking cartel. Meanwhile, Uncle Sam gets all of the money he wants without any interest at all, but not you. You see, it's their club. It's still their club. And you're not in it. <laughs> you know, the authors have been inhaling the ether down there at Toys R Us and seem to believe that Congress are us. Well, they're not. So let's move on to point number 16 in the Truth and Money book. They're foundation stones of a treasury credit money system. Point number 16. They say, quote, when money is repaid to the treasury of a sovereign government exercising its monetary authority, the money is thereby removed from circulation. <clears throat> Again, the authors unwittingly conceal the truth by applying the same twisted vocabulary of modern economics and bank fraud to their own lawless panacea. It's as if by endless repetition we can transform, transform black into white and evil can be made good. Remember, the authors admitted at point number 14 that their proposed solution would be to use nothing as money. That a sovereign government creates and spends money simply by writing good checks against no funds. Remember? Well, how is a supply of non-money converted into money? which is then repaid when no money was paid out in the first place. And how could you exercise monetary authority over a supply of no money? It's a credit system, which the authors admit in the title to Appendix 3, entitled Foundation Stones of a Credit Money System. And this is point number 16 of those Foundation Stones. Now, the correlative of credit is debt, because when you obtain credit, it means you've gone in debt. Or when you go in debt, it's because someone has extended credit. And what is debt, which is the correlative of credit? Well, we remember we go to State versus Doucet, Black's Law Dictionary, when you look up the word debt, we'll cite a specific case, State versus Doucet, and the definition of debt is simply a sum of money due or owing. Okay? So the correlative of credit is debt. And just like today's Federal Reserve System, the author's replacement credit system will operate on 100% credit or, if you will, 100% debt. In other words, we're going to monetize debt. The money that we're not going to use because it doesn't exist is the money that we're going to use. That's the money you're going to collect, spend, save, 
So the system will operate on 100% debt or 100% credit. They're co-relatives. With every dollar created by Uncle Sam being a 100% undelivered sum of money, never to be paid in exchange for what the private sector economy will labor to produce. Now that's 100% theft in favor of Uncle Sam. But don't worry, say the authors. Congress will never abuse this exclusive and absolute power. Now, I'd hate to accuse these dreamers of sleeping in a meth lab, but will someone please open the window and give the surviving populace a breath of fresh air? And isn't it odd how, according to the authors on page 239, you know, this is in the uh, uh, Appendix 3, that they say that the monetary authority will be busy removing money from circulation, while at the same time, on page 262, the authors say, quote, the nation's monetary crisis is a shortage of money. Now, this same balancing act is performed today by the Federal Reserve System and is done to conceal fraud and theft that's perpetrated against the American public, a system which these authors wish not to replace, but rather to replicate. The Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, for example, explained this delicate balancing act in one of their booklets, published back in the 1980s, that booklet entitled Steering a Course Between Inflation and Unemployment. Kind of like steering a course between a rock and a hard place. Now, we could, of course, repent of socialist, centrally planned credit and go back to lawful money, gold, silver, and copper. But that option is not on the table in a world of false paradigms and Hegelian dialectics. These authors speak of money being repaid to the Treasury in consequence of that monetary authority creating money and lending it into circulation at interest pursuant to their maxim number 15. So here again is my nagging reward offer. Simply identify the substance measured in dollars that Mr. Thorne, Mr. Warner, and other populists and Ben Shalom Bernanke want you to believe the new and improved Federal Reserve System will lend you simply by writing good checks on no funds, for which you'll go to jail for repaying that loan with good checks written on no funds. And I'll send you 100 pounds of it absolutely free. Now, since the authors built upon a myth of loan payments and repayments to help conceal organized crime, this might be a good place to insert a word picture to show how a confiscatory credit system works. Picture a conveyor belt used in a coal mine where empty buckets are continually advancing toward the pile of broken-up coal and where buckets full of coal are moving in the opposite direction. Now think of the empty buckets as Federal Reserve notes and government checks written against no funds and the pile of coal as all the tangible goods and services in the private economy. With these empty buckets, Uncle Sam extracts our production like coal is harvested from a strip mine. What's left over from this decidedly uneven exchange is a progressively larger pit or a more destitute population who can't quite figure out that getting paid is actually to be robbed and that there are the victims. Well, here's our music, and this is our next break. I'm Bruce G. McCarthy, and you're listening to Datum Line. Welcome back. 
back to this segment of Datum Line, Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 9. You know, as I mentioned on the other side of the break, debt is the undelivered portion of an economic exchange. In other words, it's a sum of money due. So, being the undelivered portion of an economic exchange is another way of saying that. And there are trillions of dollars owed to the private sector economy by a thieving Uncle Sam and Federal Reserve System, who happened to have stolen our grandparents, or maybe it was your great-grandparents' gold back in 1934, and they also stole my parents, or maybe it was your grandparents' silver back in 1965. They've got a history of of stealing. Uh, But, oh no, say the engineers of monetary science, government pays for those notes by providing lots of legitimate services like highways, welfare, educational courses and religious, political, and economic stupefaction, foreign aid to our diabolical enemies, glorious wars for corporate enhancement, and, of course, the blessings of rapidly rising public debt. The authors substitute the word payment for the word theft as though they were synonymous. Government contractors like General Dynamics, for example, are robbed of their production with government checks, which are insidiously called payment, which General Dynamics will then have to pass on to the next victim in order to get something tangible for what Uncle Sam will never pay to General Dynamics. So let's see. General Dynamics could join the act, and they could write good checks against no funds, maybe to get their factory labor. And then if those checks come home to roost, the company could tell their employees to pass those checks off at the grocery store and other businesses in exchange for what they really want in life. When the worker demands payment on the checks, he'll be told that modern economic theory is just too complex for a blue-collar worker to understand. His paycheck is backed by the full faith and credit of General Dynamics, which bills jet fighters for Uncle Sam, the United Nations, the Israeli government, and not backed by gold and silver. Now, it sounds pretty convincing to most people, and modern economic theory, along with legal tender forcing acts, are what keep this shell game going. Contract law also shares a feature of this charade in that it relies upon the timely objection of a damaged party to initiate an inquiry as to whether a criminal act may have been perpetrated. Now, so long as the victim can be kept in the dark by hobbling his thought processes with a brain-twisting vocabulary, his awakening will remain impossible. By coloring a criminal confidence game with polite and legal-sounding rhetoric, the victim cannot escape from the deception, except that he seek, perhaps, the truth of God's word. That's about your only hope. Most folks are content with living a lie so long as it imparts a warm and fuzzy feeling. You know, the feeling that you get when you pass a Federal Reserve note to the next victim to get something useful, while subconsciously realizing that the bank downtown will give you nothing tangible for that dishonored Federal Reserve note. The banking cartel didn't grow their global empire by using the limited skills of a common thief It's by controlling the essential economics vocabulary in which we speak, think, and act that this house of cards is held together. 
Even the Federal Reserve critics draw from the same wellspring of rhetorical nonsense, which is why the only sin of central banking that they can identify is private ownership, which is not even a sin cognizable at the Anglo-American Christian common law. Well, let's move on to point number 17 in the foundation stones of a credit money system proposed by Mr. Warren and Mr. Thorne. Number 17, the key to stability and the quality or value of money lies simply in maintaining a balance between the flow of treasury expenditures being issued into circulation, debt-free, they say, and the flow of interest and tax collections from the private sector back to the treasury and out of circulation. Oh, no, this is a marvelous one. I'm going to insert a couple words here to maybe uh, give you my take on this, and hopefully you uh, see the light in this. The key to stability, they say, in the quality or value of money, which they mean as credit, lies simply in another team of regulators maintaining a balance between the flow of treasury expenditures being issued into circulation as empty conveyor buckets. 100% debt is what that is, not debt-free. And the flow of interest and tax collections from the private sector back to the treasury and out of circulation. Now that payment of taxes is actually the third tax that you're going to pay in a system of triple taxation. And I see we're coming up on a break, and I'm going to have an awkward uh, time trying to cover too much more here on this side of the break. But this is simply an instant replay of our present Federal Reserve System. It's the victim's labor, and not Uncle Sam's readiness to buy back his IOUs, that will continue to impart psychological value to lawless credit instruments and keep the criminal confidence game going. Well, there's the music. This is our halftime break. You are listening to Datum Line. Welcome back to this half of Datum Line. I'm Bruce T. McCarthy. Economic Myths and the Science of Deceit, Part 9. We're on point number 17 in the Truth in Money book. This is a principle that's basically uh, adopted by the populace. I'm not just picking on Mr. Thorne and Mr. Warner. This is a very popular point of view, uh, but they just happen to enumerate many of the principles that they believe in, and I believe that every one of their principles is a myth. And our myth could be uh, factual, but in this case, uh, this is a non-factual. This is a fictitious myth. And the key, they say, the key to stability and the quality or value of money, and they, of course they don't use anything as money, so again, by using that word money, they continue to reinforce the illusion, just as the Federal Reserve reinforces the illusion by using the word money and loan and pay and repaid and so forth. But they say the key to stability and the quality of value of money lies simply in maintaining a balance between the flow of Treasury expenditures, those are the empty buckets going out to collect the coal, being issued into circulation and the flow of interest and tax collections from the private sector back to the Treasury and out of circulation. 
And as I mentioned, this is simply an instant replay of our present Federal Reserve System, which does exactly the same thing. These folks just think that they can do it a little bit better. Now, the Federal Reserve runs the same system from which these authors and other monetary reformers wish to save us. And is it amazing that on both sides of this false paradigm, the victimized public are robbed with credit and then cunningly made to bolster their own confidence in the continuation of this fraud and theft? <clears throat> My hat's off to the Rockefellers. Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, the Schiffs, Kun Loeb, the Warburgs, Rothschilds, and all the others who convinced the public that without bankers to lend us nothing, we'd be crawling around naked on all fours, eating slimy bugs, living in caves, and howling at the moon. And the authors honestly believe that Peter Cook was the first one to discover these great principles of monetary science. But you know, a well-known economist actually preceded Mr. Cook by many years. I'm going to go to Economic Consequences of the Peace, <clears throat> written by John Maynard Keynes, the economist. This is page 225, my 1920 edition. And here's what Mr. Keynes said, quote, If government refrains from regulation, <clears throat> now the monetary science people would say mathematical regulation because it sounds so much better, but nevertheless, they're both talking about the same thing. If government, says Keynes, refrains from regulation, and how does government regulate the economy, by the way? Well, it does it by taxes and by interest on federal loans. Okay, also does it by statutes, the worthlessness, he says, of the money, and by that he means fiat money, becomes apparent, and the fraud upon the public can be concealed no longer. John Maynard Keynes said that in 1920. <clears throat> that was in his book in 1920, and he certainly was thinking about that before 1920. Now, if we turn to the 1980 annual report for the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond, Virginia, at page 10, we'll find the Federal Reserve Bank of Richmond quoting John Maynard Keynes in his book called A Tract on Monetary Reform at page 136. And this he wrote in 1923. Quote, In the modern world of paper currency and bank credit, there is no escape from a managed currency. End quote. So you see, Peter Cook wasn't the first to figure out monetary science. In fact, the bankers figured it out a long time ago. Because once you replace money, lawful money, gold, silver, and copper, with bank credit, it is a regulated system. It must be. And as Keynes says, there's no escape from it. That's what socialism is, folks. Now, our credit system, the one that we have today, has been centrally regulated by Congress and the Federal Reserve for nearly a century, with taxes and interest used to pull excess dollars, so-called, out of the economy to prevent inflation from, in, from destroying Uncle Sam's ability to confiscate your wealth efficiently. Taxes and interest are what convince the public that government and the Federal Reserve system 
need your fiat money in order to get what they want. Well, they created it. They don't need yours. Now, under a monetary system, that might have been true. But when applied to a credit system, taxes and interest take on a completely new purpose. That is to conceal the fraud and to bolster the public's confidence in a devious system of compensatory theft. Let's turn to point number 18 in the Treasury Credit Money proposal of Mr. Thorne and Mr. Warner. This is the last one now. Here they say that, quote, the only purpose, the only purpose of federal taxation is to enable the Treasury to maintain a balance between flows of Treasury expenditures without exceeding an affordable maximum interest rate. <clears throat> I'm going to put some words in there and embellish upon this. The only purpose of federal taxation is to enable the Treasury to maintain a balance between flows of Treasury expenditures. That's your first tax. That's 100% theft. Those are the empty buckets going out into the economy to pick up the coal that you produce. And Monetary revenues, that's the third tax. I skipped the second one, but we'll get to it in a moment, which is used to conceal the fraud and the theft without exceeding an affordable maximum interest rate. <clears throat> you see, the only purpose for taxes is not so government can buy <clears throat> what government wants, but rather to balance the flow of dollars in and out of Washington to control inflation. And inflation is the second tax, or the depreciation tax. The longer you hold those dollars, the less they're worth through what people call inflation. But the first tax is when you give up your goods and services to get those dollars that Uncle Sam and the Federal Reserve System as a symbiotic team get for nothing. What you have in your bank account in terms of dollars that you have earned is proof of the tax you've already paid. You were robbed with those. <clears throat> and the only way you can get compensated is to find another sucker who's willing to take those things and give you something for them. But the longer you hold those dollars, the less they're worth. And that's the second tax. The third tax is when government has the audacity to tell you that you owe some of those dollars back to government, which got those dollars in the first place for nothing. That's your third tax. And that third tax, again, is used to conceal the fraud and to bolster your confidence in this system. Interest rates are raised to pull more excess dollars out of the economy to curb inflation. Congress steals what it wants, so it's imperative that the public not figure out how the system works. And as for the maximum affordable interest rate spoken of by the authors, Mr. Thorne and Mr. Warner, as for that maximum affordable interest rate on government loans of nothing to everyone other than government, Congress will decide what is affordable to check the excess inflation. And if it takes a 25% interest rate, to haul enough dollars off the marketplace to curb the inflation. If that's what's needed, 
then 25% is what they'll define as affordable. It was Beardsley Rummel of the New York Federal Reserve who told Congress back in the 1940s that they no longer needed taxes. Now, that must have come as a fantastic revelation some over 70 years ago, don't you think? Now, regular data line listeners should understand pretty well how the system works and why the general public is so easily sidetracked by populist, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative rhetoric about things like wasted tax money or wasted tax dollars. There are no dollars at law in circulation. There is no money in circulation. Government doesn't waste any money. It doesn't spend any money. It doesn't collect any money. The system doesn't operate on money. Remember the Federal Reserve System told you, page 12, keeping our money healthy. Federal Reserve Bank of New York, published in 1977, they said, and you recall the Federal Reserve System works only with credit, period. It doesn't work with money. There is no wasted money. But the public is easily sidetracked by that argument. Another argument that the public is sidetracked by is that there are tax rebels out there, even corporations, who don't pay their fair share. Well, the corporations got the law passed so that they don't have to pay the tax. Why should they pay the tax? (laughs) They don't have to. Would you? Okay. And thus, those tax rebels make the honest taxpayers pay more. Oh, gosh, you look at the study that's been done by the Patriot Movement back in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, on the subject of the income tax. There's hardly anybody who owes an income tax. A third uh, sidetrack issue is how to provide for all the socialist government services. And those were nothing more than levers used to overturn our free enterprise system. Yet we've got a generation today that accepts, without question, the whole concept of Social Security, Medicaid, Medicare, even universal health care has become an accepted concept in the minds of most people. Our forefathers would roll over in their graves if they knew that we had swallowed such concepts. But when I read last week from that piece of legislation proposed by Mr. Steve Zarlinger of the American Monetary Institute and others, sponsored by Dennis Kucinich, Democrat of Ohio. Uh, That bill, that monetary reform bill, uh, says in it that all of the funds necessary for universal health care and an expanded educational system and to take care of all of the infrastructure, I mean, I can't believe how many billions and billions of dollars Uh, that they say is going to be needed to fix our infrastructure, all of those funds are already provided. Well, I looked through the bill, and I couldn't find any funds. I could find a lot of printed text, but I couldn't find any funds. Why? Why? Well, because they're not going to use any of his money. (laughs) They're just going to invent it just like the Fed does today. A fourth nonsensical sidetrack issue is uh, all this nonsense about a balanced budget. And remember I've said, you know, the, the government doesn't collect any money. It doesn't spend any money. If you think it does, you tell me what the money is, and I'll give you 100 pounds of it absolutely free. I believe that zero in and zero out is a balanced budget. A fifth area in which the public is easily sidetracked is how to restore integrity to a financial industry 
that is probably far less of an industry than the mafia. What what a what a gross misstatement! I mean, the the, the vocabulary that we use is incredible, and it's pity, you know, that so many Christians today honestly believe that it takes a banker violating every economic principle of Scripture to bring peace, prosperity, and progress to a sin-laden planet. How easily we, Christians, forget, as it said in Genesis chapter 13 and verse 2, that Abram, before his name was changed to Abraham by the Lord God, that Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. He wasn't rich in Fed notes, uh, bank balances. Okay? He was rich in substance, cattle, silver, and gold. And why was he rich in these things? Well, because he did his own business. Uh, to borrow the words and phrase of uh, the Apostle Paul at First Thessalonians chapter four and verse eleven, he said that he would that you should do your own business. And I was take care of your own self. You know, you don't have a right to work for a corporation. Go out and do your own business. The Apostle Paul, I believe, was a tent maker. He didn't work for somebody else. Like Abram or Abraham, he was a faithful steward. And Abraham was a godly husband to Sarah. And you know, when uh, a man joins up with a woman early in life and they start working for the, toward the same goal, uh, they can actually uh, build a nest egg. But our society doesn't do that. Now, we have all of these long-term relationships. You know, they might last three or four weeks. You know, and you go look for another LTR with whatever trips you trigger. And then by the time you get to about age 60 or 65, you look around and you think, my gosh, I never had a wife. I don't have any children. I never worked with anyone else to uh, achieve uh, any particular economic goal. And here I am with nothing. And who's going to provide for me? Uncle Sam. And right now, Uncle Sam is doing a fantastic job of providing for people because uh, we're still living off the proceeds of our grandparents' generation. Uh, but you look around. America's falling apart. Uh, there isn't much uh, infrastructure that doesn't need repair. And you start looking at the homes that people live in these days. I, I keep watching as I travel around the country. Uh, I've done a lot of uh, carpentry work and that sort of thing, and I look at homes that, my gosh, they're in pretty bad shape. You know, <laughs> America is in bad shape, not just morally, but economically, not to mention the phenomenal national debt of 16 trillion, and that's just the budget debt. That's not the off-budget debt. And that doesn't count the state debts, and that doesn't count the municipal debts, or the corporate debts, or the private individual debts, mortgages, credit card, debit card debts, and now we even have the college loans that the young people have incurred before they even get out into the workforce, some of them owing well into six figures before they start their first job after college. Oh, you think this is going to go on forever? Dream on. We also know with regards to Abram as to why he was rich in cattle, silver, and gold is that he kept the commandments of God. Well, we couldn't have done that because the commandments didn't come along until the book of Exodus. You know, you know, hundreds of years later, well, Genesis chapter 26 and verse 5 says that he kept the commandments of God. We know that there were commandments of God. Because we know that uh, when Cain slew Abel, that sin was lying at his door. 
sin is transgression of the law. So there had to be a law. Anyway, Abram was a free man. He wasn't a debtor who played with banks and bank credit. Here's our music, and this is our last break coming up. I'm Bruce Schumer-Crassie. to the final segment of this installment of Data Mine. Uh, I had mentioned earlier that time permitting, we would get to some of these key words that I notice in the uh, Treasury Credit Money Bill in the Truth and Money Book. Uh, <clears throat> there's not enough time to cover those. I, and we'll probably do that in the next <clears throat> segment before we get into, in the next segment, the Lincoln Greenbacks. But I would like to highlight some of these words <clears throat> Uh, because I noticed that when I read through these 18 principles of uh, monetary science, they use the word sovereign uh, no less than four times. They used it at principle number 4, 14, 15, and 16. They used the word authority, like monetary authority. They used that word seven times at uh, point number 2, 3, 4, 11, 14, 15, and 16. They used the, the word power twice. Once they called it an exclusive power, that was at number two, and then they used the word supreme power at point number three. Then there was this implication of force or compulsion. Now that was implied, <clears throat> but it was mentioned two times. Once in the word made, as to compel, and one time as the word requiring. Now, their language is very similar to that of the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, which said in a publication called The National Debt, Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia, page 8, this publication was put out around 1980, quote, the federal government, with the cooperation of the Federal Reserve, has the inherent power to create money, almost any amount of it. End quote. Well, would you ask the Federal Reserve, chief among sinners, chief among thieves, for a legal opinion about Anglo-American constitutional common law? Well, probably not. But what is this thing called inherent power? Well, the inherent power, which is what Mr. Thorne and Mr. Warner uh, uh, seem to refer to, or at least allude to, is defined in Black's Law Dictionary, 5th edition, as powers which necessarily inhere to the government by reason of its role as a government, such as conducting of foreign affairs. And they cite United States versus Curtis Wright Export Corporation. Okay. Well, when dealing with foreign governments, the federal government is sovereign. But when the federal government deals with internal affairs... It is not sovereign. It only operates in accordance with enumerated powers, which came from a power that was more sovereign than the federal government, and that was from we the people. Now, we the people are not ultimately sovereign because God himself is the absolute sovereign who created man. Certain men turned around and created a government called the Constitution of the United States because the Constitution is the government of the United States. In fact, at the back of Black's Law Dictionary, 5th edition, there is a flow chart. For those of you who have ever been in the military, you know that the power uh, flows from the top down. The authority, uh, no, the obedience flows from the bottom up. 
and at the very top of this flowchart is the U.S. Constitution, beneath which is the legislative, executive, and judicial branch of government, and under those are the various agencies which operate under those segments. Anyway, this is our time. This is the end of this segment of Datum Line. I hope this has been of interest to you. And I'm Bruce G. McCarthy. Have a good day. So long. Do you begin to smell some funky little things going on? Let me share this story with you. It's not so much a story. It's something I wrote years ago. Read your history, people. Stock markets collapse on Friday. Bank seizures, closures, holidays take place after business hours on Friday. Do currencies or governments also collapse on Friday? <laughs> Tomorrow's Friday. Will the end come on this Friday or will the inevitable collapse hold off for a while? The next round of the worst financial crisis in a hundred years is coming, people. And the government is out to make you and I pay for it. And will your savings survive a global banking wipeout? What happens when the U.S. sees hyperinflation? What if taxes soar not only for the rich? Can you survive the stock market tanks? Well, between a stock market wipeout, waves of bank failures, soaring government spending that will lead to hyperinflation and the destruction of the dollar's value, isn't it time that you prepare for the uncertainty which lies ahead? Protect your money now or forever kiss it goodbye. My friends, I offer you over six decades' experience of hard asset ownership and knowledge. And I'm prepared to handle the smallest detail in the balanced protection of your portfolio. For as the future of uncertainty continues to blanket this nation of ours, I believe that I can offer you the privacy, safety, security, and possibly some profitability which you deserve. And so I invite you to visit SierraMondrePreciousMetals.com for further information regarding protecting your wealth. Or call me, Jeffrey Bennett, at 602-799-8214. Or by email at KettleMoraineLTD at Cox.net for a private consultation. Once again, our phone number is 602-799-8214. It's almost Friday. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste by going to rbnhemppaste.com. That's rbnhemppaste.com. I'm so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats. And even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry 
industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Tahibo Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113, drinksupertea.com. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back, uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it, and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumers' house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get. And you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? 
Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Hey there, are you going to wait till the cows come home to get your new ease-off drop-and-lift? What in the world is an ease-off drop-and-lift? Our ease-off is a new tool to increase production for your meat processing company that will get that whole hog or half a beef on or off your rail with our remote control. That sounds great, but can I afford it? Sure, and the ease-off installs fast. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue, speed up your line, and increase profits. Okay, I'm convinced. Where can I get my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com. That's E-A-Z-E-O-F-F.com. And hurry because we're offering free shipping for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Call toll-free 1-855-2-KEEP-IT. That's 1-855-2-KEEP-IT today. Do you or someone you know suffer from chest pain, blood pressure, cholesterol, or irregular heartbeat? Are you looking for a more natural solution to overcome these health challenges? You hear the ads all the time. If this stuff's so good, why doesn't my doctor prescribe it? That's easy. Doctors are not trained in natural medicine. Extendivite Heart Tonic does want you to be as healthy as you can be, and it really works. Take Extendivite for six months and your doctor will say, I don't know what you're doing, but don't stop. It's working for you. Get the dependability of Extendivite. Just see how you feel in six months. A two-month supply of either capsules or liquid is only $69.95 plus shipping and handling. Call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendovite. Hello, hello, hello from beautiful Colorado. My name is Samuel Jung Kay, and I am currently the lead shilajee hunter and master herbalist for Colorado Shilajee Company. In this video series, I will be discussing what we believe is the greatest of all adaptogenic superfoods and the single greatest natural healing remedy gifted to us by Mother Earth. I think you too will become as excited by this incredible substance called Shilajee as we were and are after our discovery of this amazing gift right here in beautiful, colorful Colorado. 
You may already know Shiloji by other names. Shilojit, Momio, Momi, Mami, Mineral Pitch, Asphaltum, and others. Shiloji literally translates to destroyer of weakness and conqueror of mountains. Shiloji has been used for thousands of years and is considered as the highest valued cure-all of any earthly substance. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. The secret to aging like fine wine is in the vines. Ciroc grape seeds and skins contain high levels of flavonoids and resveratrol. Fermentation breaks these organic compounds down into smaller molecules, penetrating these therapeutic ingredients deeper into the skin, delivering faster and more effective results. Our handmade fermented skincare products are formulated with all natural ingredients and do not contain any phthalates or parabens. Similar products can cost as much as $180. At Natural Earth Medicine, we source our ingredients from local Arizona vineyards and cold process our oils to ensure that our customers receive the highest quality product in its purest form. Learn more at our website and try our fermented skincare products today. Visit naturalearthmedicine.com. That's naturalearthmedicine.com. Kilad Atzman says the essence of Jewish power is the ability to prevent the discussion of Jewish power. Jewish power requires anybody in politics to understand it and know about it, but never talk about it. My awakening really sums up with the very best evidence, the facts and the truth about race and the fact that race drives history and the truth about the Jewish question. The younger you get, the greater the percentage of people who identify as alphabet soup, you know, LGBTQ, RS. This woman, she's like, oh yeah, I identify as a koala two years ago. And I'm like, what? A koala? What? Maybe if it was quickie koala, that might be cool, but otherwise, I don't know. How about an inward pass? Have you ever received an inward pass from any of your black friends? Biden invited a drag queen to come for the signing of the Respect for Marriage Act. It's the Respect for Anal Sex Act. So, you know, I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Consider this. Dead people see only what they want to see. And frankly, most of us are still dead. Let me give you the lessons of gold and five easy lessons. Number one, don't buy it because you need to make money. You buy gold because you need to protect the money you already have. Don't ever look at the price as a barrier. Look at it as an incentive. Number three, don't buy its paper pretenders. We talked about that a lot. Buy gold. Buy the real thing in the form of coins and bullion. Fourth, don't fall prey to glitzy television or Facebook ads. Do your due diligence instead. And that's what I try to provide you with and have for 26 and a half years on the air and 30 years in this profession. Fifth, don't allow naysayers to divert your interest. Allow yourself the right to protect your interests as you see fit. Jeff Bennett here. One of the ways you can do that is to contact Kettle Moraine Limited. Contact me by calling or texting me at 602-799-8214. 602-799-8214. You can also email me at kettlemoraineltd at cox.net. 
Let me hear.